is Bloomberg Surveillance. The banks are in much better position now than they were before the crisis. Much more capital. They're much more resilient. One of the more important transmission mechanisms of monetary policy when rates get to very low levels is actually through the exchange rate. Whatever the People's Bank of China, the Central Bank of China is going to do in terms of its monetary policy will have a big impact on markets. Bloomberg Surveillance, your link to the world of economics, finance, and investment on Bloomberg Radio. Good morning. I'm Michael McKee along with Tom Keene. It is 7 a.m. on Wall Street, 7 a.m. in Washington, D.C., where Tom and I find ourselves on this Super Tuesday. By tonight, we could know who the Republican and Democratic presidential nominees are, or at least we could have a pretty good idea. And we're going to be talking about that today on Surveillance, including, Tom, a fascinating interview with former Fed Chairman Alan Greenspan. Yeah, getting a rave reviews, he was, as you said correctly, he was remarkably cautious on where this nation's going as we have this important electoral day. Well, we will talk about that in just a moment. Uh, if there's concern among investors about who may represent the major parties here. It doesn't show in the markets this morning. U.S. futures significantly higher. S&P futures up by 14 points right now, three-quarters of a percent. Dow futures up seven-tenths. That's 110 points on that index. And NASDAQ e-mini futures up by 31 points right now, also three-quarters of a percent. In Europe, stocks are higher. The stock's 600 up by three points, nine-tenths European uh, at least Eurozone employment, uh, higher than it has been in four years. The unemployment rate lower than it has been in four years. The FTSE up 42.7 tenths of a percent, wiping out all of its losses so far for the year. The DAX 147 points higher, one and a half percent. Bonds have churned. That's the word Tom loves to say. But in the U.S., the curve little changed from where we were at this time yesterday. The 10-year note yield 1.74 percent. The five-year at 1.23 percent, 79 basis points, your two-year yield. Germany, though, lower yet again right now. The German two-year trading at a negative 57 basis points. Oil, and this is important. West Texas, 34.17, up 1.3%. Brent crude, 36.74, up uh, 17 cents, a half a percent. Yeah, crisis yeah. over. <laughs> crisis over. That's we all asked Chairman story. Greenspan about that, and he said, you know, we are going to find a bottom at some point, and that could have a significant yeah. impact on He psychology. was actually pretty good at not, you know, gaming it like an oil strategist of suggesting uh, we may be near uh, a bottom or finding a bid on oil. From Washington this Super Tuesday, Bloomberg Surveillance brought to you by Invesco. Factor-based strategies can help investors focus on a high quality, low volatility, and more. Learn more at Invesco dot com slash high conviction. I I did a Hubert Heaver with our guest this morning. <laughs> I said he was the the president of the White House, and I, I got it a little wrong. Call it, well, it maybe it. someday if it his was, career arc continues. If the career arc continues. So let, let's have you bring in uh, Hubert Heaver. <laughs> Hubert Heaver, <laughs> Furman Jason, who is the chairman of the Council of Economic Advisors. Uh, chairman Greenspan, as we were mentioning, uh, rather downbeat about the economy's prospects with us. Overnight, Bill Dudley, the New York Fed president, told an audience in China, quote, on balance, I am somewhat less confident than I was before. Partly, this reflects my assessment that uncertainty to the outlook has increased and downside risks have crept up. You are the chairman of the Council of Economic Advisors. When the president wants to know if Alan Greenspan and Bill Dudley are right, he asks Jason Furman. So what does Jason Furman tell him in that situation? You know, I think there's certainly 
um, a heightened set of risks in the U.S. economy right now, and that's because the United States isn't an island. We're part of a global economy. You've seen the weakest global growth last year that we'd seen since 2009, China's growth slipping, Brazil, Russia, other emerging markets falling even more, and that creates complications and uncertainty for us. My best guess is that our domestic strengths are going to power us through that uncertainty. The domestic strengths that brought, brought us the best two years of job growth since the 1990s, the steepest decline in the unemployment rate since the 1980s, mm. the longest streak of private sector job growth you know, ever. We have optimistic consumers. They're getting raises. We have a lot of potential in terms of residential investment. But, you know, the rest of the world is certainly going to be subtracting. I want to know about the prism you use every day as you advise a president and put together the various documents that, that is your responsibility. Is it one America? Is it, to use the math, a Gaussian distribution of one America? Or we could become where Alan Kruger would suggest almost two Americas, one gaining all the benefits of the system and another America that's just not participating? Look, Tom, you make a good point that for what most families care about, it's not GDP growth or the size of the economy as a whole. It's how they're doing. Now, how they're doing is getting paid 2.5% more than they were getting paid 12 months ago. That's the fastest growth we've seen in nominal wages since the financial crisis, but it's not you know, fast enough. That has macroeconomic ramifications at times it well. You know, one of the reasons that our strategy for the recovery focused on cutting taxes for the middle class, putting money into things like food stamps and unemployment insurance, was we wanted money in the hands of the households who were most likely to spend it. So I think you certainly um, need to think about distribution, both to understand what the economy is doing for people, mm. but how it affects the economy Where as well. Where is our distribution now versus 10 or 20 years ago? The anger of so many saying the government has too much. The government is controlling our lives with redistribution. Where do we fit in now versus previous Super Tuesdays? If you look at statistics on you know, the share of income going to the top 1%, the ratio of people at the 90th percentile to the 10th percentile, any of the standard metrics, mm -hmm. Gini coefficient, any of the standard metrics of inequality, they've risen pretty steadily since um, the late 1970s. The government has been a counterweight on that, something like the Affordable Care Act. You know, we cut taxes in this administration for low-income working families. If you have... You know, two children, for every dollar you make, you get 40 cents back from the government in the earned income tax credit. You get as much as another 15 cents back in the child tax credit. That's a real motivation to work. It helps reward work. And that's the type of pro-work, pro-growth strategy that also mm -hmm. reduces inequality. It, it wasn't your intention. But the administration and the Republicans backed into austerity the last couple of years with the sequester program. Is austerity done, and did it accomplish anything for the country and the economy? I think we took some major fiscal steps to expand the economy in 2009. We followed up with several more. But those ended prematurely when the economy still needed help. Um, we let the payroll tax cut go away. Instead, we put in place a sequester. One of the things that I think has set the stage for stronger growth is we reached a deal at the end of last year that is going to accomplish 90 percent 
of undoing this of the president's proposal to undo the sequester. And when we did that deal, you saw investment banks, other forecasters, raise their forecast for 2016 growth. Fiscal policy is going to be a mild positive instead of subtracting from our growth this year. Did those years of austerity, though, accomplish anything? No, our deficit is in a better position. It's gone from nearly 10% of GDP down to 2.5% of GDP. You look forward, our debt is in a more sustainable place. It's not all the way there. There's more we need to do on both the spending side and on the entitlement side. But um, we're in a more sustainable fiscal situation. I think we could have done it in a more gradual way, though. Let me ask you to, to, to talk about this more for our listeners, the idea of the deficit to GDP ratio, we are still spending more than we take in, but it's generally accepted among economists that that's okay if you're a country as opposed to a person. That's right. Countries are different. Countries live forever. Countries also use some of that money to make investments in our future economic growth. And so as an economist, what I like to look at is, is our debt declining as a share of the economy. Is it on a path to do that? Right. And we're close to that. We need to do more to get over so that. The ECB has a 3% limit. How much could we spend? You know, we, from the transition, talking to Tim Geithner, Larry Summers, Peter Orzag, we all set the goal that we should try to be below 3% of GDP. And if you look at the president's latest budget, like most of the budgets he's submitted to Congress, right. it would accomplish that goal. Well, we're going to come back. Jason Furman with us uh, with the White House. And, of course, he's traipsing quietly around the political debate of the moment. We're going to come back with Dr. Furman and uh, touch a little bit on some of the political themes that we've seen on the Super Tuesday. We'll do that uh, <laughs> delicate. We will do that delicately and with respect. The president has asked him to stay public. up and pray. Personally report the American Samoa results. <laughs> Very good. Jason Furman will be up uh, All to, long. Uh, to do that. Uh, coming up also, our important conversation with Alan Greenspan. It was absolutely fascinating, uh, the challenges uh, that Chairman Greenspan sees forward. Obviously, on Dodd-Frank, he was not constructive, and on entitlements, that's no surprise. But it was an Alan Greenspan greatly concerned about productivity uh, as well. Let me do a data check. We can even do those in the nation's capital. Hard to believe as that is. Futures up 15. Dow futures up 116. Oil with a three-day nice rally. West Texas 34.16 up 40 cents. Brent crude 36.71. Michael McKeon, Tom Keen, this Super Tuesday from the nation's capital and Washington 99.1 FM. All right, let's check in with Michael Barr now and get the latest world and national headlines. Michael? Mike, Tom, thank you very much. This could be a make-or-break day for the remaining presidential candidates. Today is the Super Tuesday primaries. Bloomberg will have nonstop Super Tuesday coverage throughout the night, starting with a special edition of With All Due Respect, starting at 5 p.m. Wall Street time. President Obama will meet today with Senate Republicans who have vowed to block his Supreme Court nominee. A federal judge has ruled that the Justice Department cannot force Apple to give the FBI access to locked iPhone data in a New York drug case. The Brooklyn ruling could affect a larger debate about privacy rights versus national security. The ruling could pave the way in Apple's fight against the California judge's order that it create specialized software to help the FBI hack into an iPhone linked to the San Bernardino terrorism investigation. Global News 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists. I'm Michael Barr. Mike, Tom? 
Uh, Michael Barr, thanks so much. Again, futures up 15, Dow futures up 114. On this Super Tuesday from Washington, this is Bloomberg Surveillance. Bloomberg Surveillance brought to you by Sector Spider ETFs. Why buy a single stock when you can invest in the entire sector? Visit sectorspdrs.com or call 1-866-SECTOR-ETF.